Kane is in the building. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another 3P podcast episode. This is our 10th episode of the 6th season. Boy, I almost forgot where we were. That's okay. I hope everyone enjoyed their Thanksgiving. Enjoyed watching football. Enjoyed uh, keeping up with the baseball free agency that is non-existent. But we got a lot going on in this show. We're going to shift gears a little bit. Do something a little uh, out of our uh, comfort zone, some might say. But without further ado, I'm your host, Josh Fromwitz. And once again, I have the pleasure to be joined by my other co-hosts, Stephen Bonazzo and TJ Hummel. And it is officially December. It is very much football season. We got the NFL heating up. We're going to week 13. We got college football. It is championship weekend. A lot going on. So that's what we're going to discuss on this episode. Castle's not feeling well, so we got TJ filling in. But it's going to be a great show. A lot of college football going on. So, Stevie, I'm going to start with you because this one really only applies to you. We got some coaching changes going on, especially with your Wisconsin Badgers. Luke Fickle, the Cincinnati Bearcat head coach, the guy who led them to an undefeated season last year and to a uh, spot in the college football playoff. He had a lot of of stars on that Cincinnati Bearcat team. Desmond Ritter, Sauce Garner, just to name a couple. So he's done a very good job at recruiting and building up the program. And it was pretty odd that he left Cincinnati midseason, sort of eh, the end of the season, but still with games to be played and made his decision to go to join the Wisconsin Badgers. So. Obviously, it's a great move for Wisconsin, a Big Ten team. But are you shocked that it happened mid-season? Even even though it's the end of the season, but there's still games that were happening. So are you shocked this move didn't happen at the end after the Bulls were completed? The funny thing is this timing, uh, because you obviously in the NFL um, or other leagues – or even like I would say college basketball, they wait till the end of the season to hire the coaches. For football, th- this is kind of the like the timing where they hire coaches because um, the coaches kind of want to get on it as quick as possible because there's so much more recruiting. Listen, there's a lot of recruiting done in college basketball, but not nearly as much for college football because there's just not that many. I mean, for college basketball, you probably bring in like four recruits a year um you know football you you bring in like 20 something guys at least at the minimum sometimes um so i think a lot of t- schools like to get it going early i mean and obviously wisconsin was one of the leader schools to name a coach um with nebraska hiring matt rule just like a day or so before that um and a couple other i know georgia tech then they pretty much hired one a couple hours or later that night after Luke Fickle. So like a lot of programs were making decisions. Um, so I wasn't so much surprised when like the timing of it more so who we actually, the candidate Luke Fickle, because I know it was rumored um, that Jim Leonard was the guy, Wisconsin guy, um, you know, walk on all American there. Then he had a great NFL career, came back as a former former Jet, I believe. Yeah, yeah, he was a Jet. I don't know if he was drafted by them or signed with them at some point, but he was he was a member of the New York Jets there at one point in time. Um, then came back as a Paul Chris when he was named head coach, brought him on as like a safeties coach or whatever, and then worked his way up to defensive coordinator and was there and was such you know a, many considered him to be one of the top defensive coordinators in all of college football. And then when uh, Paul Chris was fired midseason, 
Jim Leonard was named interim. Um, and Wisconsin, they seem like Wisconsin is known for their tradition, obviously, running the ball, just doing things the way that Wisconsin has been doing things for the past, you know, pretty much since Barry Alvarez has taken over. Um, so it always seems like Wisconsin, you know, they don't, they like to develop. They like to do things their way. So I was shocked when Wisconsin went outside the box and hired Luke Fickle, who really had, he had ties to the Big Ten. He's an Ohio State guy, uh, former player and coach, not head coach, but, um, you know, defensive coach and then defensive coordinator there under Urban Meyer. But he had no ties to Wisconsin. Jim Leonard, you know, like, like I said, he was, he's like, when you think of Wisconsin, he's like one of the first guys many people think of, um, you know, probably Barry Alvarez being up there, but it just seemed like Jim Leonard was going to be the guy. And for a while there, I was kind of on that Jim Leonard train, but then the past couple seasons, like, I felt like we needed a fresh face in there who was outside of Wisconsin's program, who kind of knew what Wisconsin, you know, like not like is totally unfamiliar with Wisconsin. Um, Cause as you guys probably don't know this, but Wisconsin after uh, Brett Belema left for um, Arkansas's head coaching job back way back in the early 2010s, um, they hired Gary Anderson from like Utah state and he had no ties to Wisconsin at all. Like obviously it was far out West and he did not work out at well. Um, he really did not succeed well at Wisconsin. So then they went back to what they know, and they brought in Paul uh, Chris, who was a former, I want to say, well, he played quarterback at, I want to say he was quarterback at um, Wisconsin. And um, either way, he went to Wisconsin, and then I believe he was a former offensive coordinator there. So it just was a little shocking, but I think it was the right move. Um, and especially with Matt Rule, who, yes, we know he didn't do well with the Panthers, but if you look at where he's been in college, Temple, he was really turned that Temple program around. And then Baylor, um, like they're bringing in some big time coaches. There's already big time coaches in the Big Ten, you know, James Franklin now being Penn State quite a bit, Jim Harbaugh, Ryan Day, um, PJ Fleck, even, you know, he's known to turn programs around. Matt Rule now back, you know, in the, or not back in the Big Ten, but in the big 10 now. So like there's some serious coaches in the big 10 now and Wisconsin with the past couple of years, how they have gone where they've haven't been to what um, they should be playing at. I think bringing in Luke fickle is just, I, I was so happy and a little shocked, but really, really um, just love the hire. And I I'm hoping not only as a fan, but just for college football, the big 10 itself that you bring Wisconsin back to what, Wisconsin has been for many years now. You uh, jumped the gun a little bit talking uh, Matt Rule, and that's good because I'm gonna want to talk to TJ about that in a second. But going back to your point about uh, Luke Fickle, I love the move for Wisconsin and for the Big Ten because, yeah, tradition is great and all, but Luke Fickle has proven himself to be a guy who could play in those big time games. Cincinnati, yeah, they didn't win. They got blown out against Alabama. Was it Alabama or Georgia? It was Alabama. It was 27-6. It was Bama. Their offense was non-existent, but, I mean, they're not a Power 5 school, and they were a top-four team in the country. That says a lot. And thinking about it, yeah, it was. I, I, I take back my original question, saying, like, was it a little early to make this move? But I got to remember that college is different than the pros like you mentioned they got to get a jump start on recruiting and the transfer portal you see a bunch of guys already transferring and making their decisions for next year yeah because the the portal window so graduate uh students are able to enter the portal now and then undergrads have to wait till december 5th but that's that's from Fort. that's like monday that's next that's next week so yeah so it's that's why you gotta get on it um and I know a lot of these coaches, I don't like, I know Luke Fickle saying for the bowl uh, game that I don't think he's going to be like the head coach of that game, but he said he's going to coach just to even get to know the guys. You know, they, these coaches need to kind of, are you in or out? Like if you don't like want a player anymore, cause it's a new coach and you don't like whatever, then they need to know these things, not just Luke Fickle, but all these guys, um, 
because they got to get a team together. They got to, you know, whether they need to hit the transfer portal or continue on the recruiting trail because, um, you know, players, high school players um, can sign, you know, in December, there's dates and that. So it's a very busy time for uh, not only the bowl season, as we all know of this time, but also transferring and um, recruiting itself. So I got a follow-up question for you. Do you think that this move will change the layout per se of the Big Ten? Obviously, I'm not saying it's going to make Wisconsin a, a powerhouse team. I'm not saying that. But do you think it'll, like for the rest of the country, looking at the Big Ten, do you think that a move like this, hiring a Luke Fickle or a Matt Rule, which we'll talk about in a little bit, that really will say, you know what? I think they're uh, the Big Ten is a lot closer to the SEC than people like to give credit. I, I totally do, and this is now without the additions yet of USC and UCLA, who are, I believe, it's still going through that they will join the conference within the next two to three years. Um, so not only does it just again, and then when you bring in. Um, Chip Kelly and Lincoln Riley, those coaches, which obviously that's not yet, but like, yeah, you're getting some big time coaches in this conference. And this conference already is a pretty um, popular, you know, you already have some top teams, Michigan, Ohio state, um, you know, and then schools like Wisconsin who have had a lot of success, Nebraska. I mean, not recently, but Nebraska is a national brand. So I believe it is, um, you know, like more kids now are even going to target the Big Ten because not only the schools have themselves have had a lot of winning, um, you know, programs in it, but just the coaches now that are in it. You know, you could see they have a lot of connections to the NFL. Um, they know how to develop, and you know, look, Jim Harbaugh has all that experience coaching the NFL. So guys are going to want to play for Michigan because obviously it's a national brand, it's a big time school, but because. Harbaugh, you know, has that NFL experience. He's got those connections. You know, Luke Fickle just sent how many players from Cincinnati to the draft? You know, Sauce Garner, fourth overall, and he's, like, looking like one of the best rookies. So, I mean, there's legit coaching there. Um, and I think just for Wisconsin itself and Nebraska itself, it's going to help their schools, you know, looking at it now, um, kind of compete because it seems like they were kind of falling down they're, you know, the conference ranks. Um, I mean, look at Purdue making the Big Ten championship. Like, I would have never thought that. The rate Wisconsin was going at, I thought we'd run the West for quite a few years. Um, and that just hasn't happened. Um, Minnesota looks like they're this close from finally breaking through and being a top team, maybe not in the Big Ten itself, but in the Big Ten West. So, um, so I think it will help them just even compete in the conference itself, which I believe is just getting better and better each year. Uh, and listen, the SEC is SEC. It's going to be hard to top that, but the Big Ten is really making a big name for itself. Uh, no pun intended, but. I like what you did there. Um, and now another coach who we just saw, like you mentioned, is heading back to who is heading to the Big Ten, and that would be Matt Rule. He is going to be coaching Nebraska. I just blanked out for a second. And TJ, we, we've been talking about this all day. Like, he was kind of, I don't want to say it in joke because that's not the appropriate word, but college success doesn't necessarily translate to NFL success. And we've seen that. Matt Rule was hired by the Panthers because he had a sexual, su successful career at Temple and then at Baylor. And then he tried bringing over his. Baylor offense to the NFL and boy, that just failed miserably. What do you think is the reason for that? Obviously, like the talent is different. I'm I'm not trying to say like NFL talent and NCAA talent is not comparable, but is there like a reason for this? Because we see we're seeing a guy like a Cliff Kingsbury who has coached a bunch of elite quarterbacks in college is also kind of struggling. I I feel like it just, it goes back to like where we, where we originally started this, like college and NFL, two completely different things. Like college kids 
obviously they they're playing football some of them may or may not want to go play pro maybe they want to get a degree and not play football after college but I feel like with college kids they buy in a lot more and I don't know about you but I I personally think college football is much more fun to watch compared to NFL football at least in recent history um but yeah, when it comes to Matt Rule, he went 11 and 27 over two seasons and five games of a third season with the Panthers. He still owed $34 million. Uh, I don't, I personally, I just think he, he tried to use a high powered offense that he had in college and translate it into a high powered offense in the NFL. I don't, I don't think he had the, the right talent to do it, but in a sense, I don't think he fully grasped the concept of an NFL coaching job. If that makes sense. I think so. And another big component of it, I think, is a college coach has full control over the team that they're building in terms of what recruits they want and the depth chart and what it's going to look like, whereas an NFL coach is handed a roster and then you build your depth chart based on that, but you don't control trades and free agency and draft picks necessarily. You, You might get an input, but you don't really get the say that a GM will have. And um, kind of to your point, you know, running an NFL and an NFL team, maybe not so much the coaches, but if you're still part of an NFL team, like it's run, it's like running a business, to be honest, while running a college team is a lot different because um, like I was talking, I was talking to my brother and really there's in and then in the NFL, there's benefits to losing. You get top picks um, to get, you know, the top talent coming out of college. And it's kind of like a reset to then launch into winning. In college, you always want to win. Because if you're not winning, you're not going to get the top recruits. You know, in the NFL, you can sign or trade for a guy, um, you know, if you have the money to sign them and say, hey, help us start winning again. Or if you trade, they really have no choice. In college, if you're not winning, you're not making bowl, bowl games. You're not, you know, these guys are just not going to want to come to your school. Um, so, and plus two, in the NFL, you're dealing with guys that, I mean, not all guys are like this, but I mean, look at Tom Brady. He's playing at what, 46? I don't even know how old Matt Rule is, but he might be older. I mean, some of these, Sean McVay is younger than some of his players. So, like, in college, you're leading young men. You know, you're usually like there's no college coaches that are, I mean, or head coaches that are, you know, 22 years old. I mean, it's just like you're leading these young men and, you know, they look up to you as a leader. Sometimes in the NFL, if you're that young and, you know, you're not winning games, they may not look at you as a leader. Like we're pretty much your age. Like, how are you coaching us kind of thing? I You know, maybe it's totally wrong, but I feel like that could be kind of a thing while in the NFL like, or while in college you're leading guys pretty much 18 to 22 years old. I mean, 18 year olds, like, yes, it's considered adult, but you're still, you know, a really, really young adult. And then by the time you're 22, you're a senior. Yeah. You know, you're older, but you're still a really, you're still young. Um, So I think just that, that leadership is real different from, you know, leading a group like of that age group to any ranging from 22 to 36 year olds on the average. Uh, that's a large difference. So it's probably much easier leading a an age group that's an age gap that's that much closer than you know one that NFL could really um be a large difference. So obviously I've never coached, so I can't truly tell, but I gotta imagine that's gotta play a part of it too. So um and some guys just the college level, you know, they just have more success. Players have Johnny Manziel, great college player, not a good NFL professional player. Urban Meyer, great college coach, couldn't do in the NFL. Same Matt Rule. So there's players, there's coaches that maybe they weren't that good in the uh, in college, but were great professionally, or you know, vice versa. So 
seems like Matt Rule's calling is college. We'll just see if Nebraska, if it translates it back to Nebraska, or maybe, you know, he needs to go to a smaller school or smaller, uh, cause this is, like I said, Nebraska is a national brand and they've, they expect, you know, I mean, they got rid of Scott Frost. who was same thing. One of their own. If you're not winning, they're not going to keep you. And I mean, time will tell with, uh, these hires and I know Stevie is going to be very excited about the Luke fickle one, but we're going to continue to monitor how it translates to recruits. And then for next season, because college football really is a full year commitment and there's stuff happening every day, whether it's recruits, transfers, the portal, you name it. And then on top of it, games. So yeah, we'll continue to monitor that those situations. But one man in particular who was a former NFL coach, and you could argue whether he had success or not, but you can't, you definitely can't uh, question his uh, success in college. And that's Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. He led his Wolverines to a dominating win in the big house against Ohio State, their bitter rival. He's got a two game win streak now, a two year win streak against. Ohio State, and frankly, they did it without their uh, star running back, Stevie. It was announced today that Blake Corum, the man really who carried their offense all year until the Ohio State game, he had a touchdown in every single game. I believe he was up to 18 rushing touchdowns on the year, well over 1,000 yards rushing, possible top pick in the NFL draft next year, like a definite first round maybe second rounder so now they've got the big 10 championship on saturday and then a and then a college football playoff semifinal game to prepare for and now no blake quorum so how do you think michigan will be able to go about it because i mean it seemed to do well against ohio state but will he be able to uh, will it matter Will they be able to avoid uh, to handle his loss going down the road? It, it's going to be tough. I mean, they just need what happened in the Ohio State game to happen and someone stepping up, and that was Donovan Edwards. As you saw, and even the first half, Donovan Edwards really didn't do anything spectacular until the second half when he had like, or even more so like the fourth quarter when he had like two 85-plus yard touchdown runs. Um, so they just, or, or like a guy like Cornelius Johnson, um, who had like three, like almost that Randy Moss stats where it was like three catches for over a hundred yards and like three touchdowns. I think, you know, his was like four or five catches for like 160, 70 yards and three touchdowns, but, um, or two touchdowns, but either way, like they need guys stepping up, um, every game and, uh, and so, TJ, thank you for the stats. So, uh, Cornelius Johnson had four catches, 160 yards, and two touchdowns. And shout out. He's a Connecticut kid. So, uh, shout out to uh, CT um, making plays in national primetime football. But anyhow, they just need guys stepping up. Um, and the coaching needs to be as good as it was on Saturday. I mean, I, I personally believe – I think Ohio State, granted they were depleted in some positions, but I think Ohio State had the better team. I just think Michigan really just outplayed them and outcoached them. So Jim Harbaugh just needs to continue outcoaching these guys. You know, Purdue on Saturday, it should be an easy win or not. It should be a win regardless, maybe not the easiest, but Purdue likes to play spoiler a lot. So I would not – I mean, not at this – they. You know, usually when they play spoiler, it's at home in the regular season in October. Um, it's never been in the Big Ten Championship, but I mean, they're they're pretty much it's almost a home game for Purdue. Purdue, you know, I mean, it's games right in the Colts Stadium. So Michigan, it's gonna it's gonna be a tough task when your best player uh, goes down, but they have the guys to do. I mean, they got top recruits in there uh, who've been waiting their turn. So. And J.J. McCarthy, who's really been playing better and better um, lately since he was, you know, given the starting job. And I was so – I mean, not that it really mattered to me, but when they were going to do that split QB thing, I thought that was the worst idea 
ever. So um, I really think them sticking with McCarthy, the young kid who has a lot of um, promising talent and potential, you know, let him run, you know, run the team. And I think he's been doing a great job. So, but I also did see one of their best defensive uh, players on the D line. He was supposedly arrested for something in, um, it just came out today, so I doubt he will be able to play. Um, so that could be another big loss too. So it's really the guys are going to have to step up um, because even if they run away with the game Saturday, the Big Ten Championship, they'll probably get depending on how every the championship games go. You know, they'll probably get the two seed. Say if Georgia wins, keeps them one, they'll get two. You know, it doesn't matter who they play. Like at, last year, I thought Michigan was one of the best teams, and they got smoked by Georgia. Clearly, Georgia was the best team. They won the national championship, but I don't think this Michigan team is nearly as good enough. So, whoever they play, it's going to be a tough out. Frankly, I thought Michigan was going to get smoked by Ohio State. Because I did too. I think everyone did. I think with the defensive guy specifically that they lost last year, no Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, Ojabo, I believe, the other edge rusher who tore his ACL in the workout is a Raven now, I believe. It, it, it's a, it was a lot to overcome, but, you know, they made it work. And one big thing is they, yes, no, they knew Blake Corum was doubtful and he wanted to try to give it a go, but that really didn't change their game plan. And they wanted to make sure that they controlled the ground game. And they were dominant. And it, they really utilized the next man up mentality. And credits to J.J. McCarthy because there was a lot of questions about him going to the game. Is he a true freshman, Stevie, or is he a redshirt? I want to say he's a redshirt. Okay. Well, whatever he is, he's a young kid playing in a big game. And, you know, this is his first real big challenge because other than that, his only other game against a real opponent that he had this year was a home game against Penn State, which they won convincingly. But this was on the road against your rival. You're a Michigan Wolverine because you play for games and moments like this, the Ohio State rivalry. And it'll it's games like that that'll either make you a hero or a forgotten member on the team. And he stepped up and rose to the occasion, and he balled out. I believe they had three plays of like over 70 yards of 70 yard touchdowns i believe it was explosive offense that they had both the ground game and the air game he made plays when he needed to including scrambles he he controlled that offense so i'm interested to see how he'll do uh going forward in the big 10 championship and then the college football semis and he's definitely their guy going forward because i saw like we were talking about earlier at the transfer portal, Caden McNamara is entering the portal. Hopefully, he doesn't go anywhere relevant because I don't want to have to say his name again. McNamara. That's a tough last name to say. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, and, and then um, I do have one more thing to add with them. Michigan and you kind of were um, keen on it, too, is they didn't change their game plan. I think exactly that's what they have to do. Just because Corum's out, don't change your game plan. So you can still run the ball effectively and really – like they're and I'm pretty sure they they said it either in a press conference before the game or one of the players they said like they're tougher than Ohio State and pretty much it's gonna be one in the trenches just like last year and pretty much the same thing this year so yeah if you're Michigan you can't change your game plan for these next couple of games just you got to do what you do best and that's controlling the line and running the ball um and I think if they stick to that they should still be fine. Um, because their old line is really solid and good and um... consistently because last year as well, they won. I don't remember the name of the award, but they won the best offensive lineman award and they're finalists again this year. And I believe it's new guys. I think a lot of them left, right? Yeah. They brought in, um, they brought in the transfer from Virginia. I want to say he's a center. I don't know his last name or his, uh, his name is kind of hard to pronounce, but he was a big time transfer. Um, from Virginia. And then, uh, yeah, I think they had a lot of guys step up because a lot of guys went in the draft or just graduated. So, yeah, it was it was a retooled offensive line, but it didn't look like that. They just really, you know, dominated in the trenches all year, and including Ohio State, which has a really solid D-line. So, um, and, you know, and they're, and the Ohio State's D-line has a lot of top 
five-star recruits too. So, um, you know, it wasn't like an easy challenge at all. And it was at Ohio State. You know, last year, yeah, they, they won. It was at Michigan. This year, they were kind of doubted. It was at Ohio State, and they still found a way not only to win, but win convinc- uh, convincingly, you know, so props to them. And now, TJ, I want to turn to you for the other uh, side of the coin here with Ohio State. Obviously, they were the projected favorites to win this game and be, a, honestly, a team to make it to the college football championship. You have C.J. Stroud leading your team. People are saying he's one of the finalists to be considered for the Heisman. You got a lot of star power everywhere, everywhere, including the best wide receiver room led by Marvin Harrison Jr., Ameko, Buka, so on and so forth. They got talent up and down that roster. But in terms of the game against Michigan, I don't know what happened, but it, it didn't look like the Michigan, uh, the Ohio State team that we are used to seeing. So I really don't know like what went wrong or what happened. So try to like fill us in like some stats and whatever, because I'm curious, like what went wrong with Ohio state? Yeah, for sure. I got you. So CJ Stroud, he, I mean, he played a good game. He went 31 for 48 with three forty nine, two touchdowns, two picks, but that's not, it's not terrible. Buka had nine receptions for 125 yards and a tutty. Marvin Harrison Jr. had seven for 120 and a tutty. Their other receivers had – they all had catches. They all had receptions and yards. They're, even their running backs, they all had – they all had carries. They all had rushes. I think they just got outplayed. They got outcoached. Like I, like I had mentioned in our little chat, uh, Ohio State had more – more passing yards through the air, but that's really it. Michigan just manhandled them. Total yards, they took the they took the overall. They took the overall in rushing yards, had a better yard per play, were much better on third down conversions. They conferred the Michigan even converted a fourth down that Ohio State didn't do. They had they they had 17 more plays than Michigan had the entire game and they still got blown out. So I, I think it's – they I, – I don't think they prepped enough. Usually a lot of the times we see these big – especially big rivalry games like this where one team seems to be prepared and one team isn't. And it just so happens that the home team wasn't prepared. I, I think they, they played down Michigan. They were just like, oh, it's just going to be another easy win. They shouldn't be where they're ranked, this and that. And Michigan walked in and absolutely stomped them in on their home turf. So it's it's not like it's not like Ohio State like at least the, their offense didn't play terribly. I just think the defense didn't show up and and they got out coached, out coached, out played, like outwit out like outwit outplay and outlast the survivor catchphrase like they. Ohio State did not listen to Jeff Probst. No, they did not. And that's interesting. I'm glad you mentioned those stats. Obviously, you're not a big uh, college guy, but I appreciate you stepping in and giving those stats. You I'm are, not the biggest college guy. I love. I do love stats, though. You are the man of many hats. And I, have, I, have, I have one more stat for you. This may have also could have lost Ohio State the game. Nine penalties for 91 yards. That's some Dallas Cowboy Mike McCarthy numbers right there. Yeah, and one of the things that I I noticed when watching the game, you mentioned C.J. Stroud's two interceptions. Those were crucial interceptions that really flipped the script. And Stevie could agree that his late, uh, his I, I believe they were both third-quarter interceptions or early fourth-quarter interceptions, those led to Michigan scores, and they gave – Michigan good field position and they just took over from there. I believe that there were also fumbles that led to scores. There's a lot of turnovers by Ohio State, especially in that third quarter. That third quarter watching Ohio State was like watching a peewee football game. It was pathetic because on defense, they were allowing those big plays that Stevie was mentioning from Michigan. Those 
McCarthy and the running backs who stepped up, all of those guys were getting big chunk plays, especially in the third quarter. And then on offense for Ohio State, C.J. Stroud just did not look like the C.J. Stroud we were were used to all year. He looked like garbage. And frankly, if that's the C.J. Stroud that shows up in a big moment game, then if I'm a team in the NFL that is looking for a quarterback for my future, I am seriously having questions and doubts about this kid because Ohio State typically has an easy schedule until the last game of the year. And that last game is Michigan-Ohio State. And if your quarterback plays like that in the biggest game of the year, especially against your rival, then Lord knows how he's going to do in the NFL against competition each week. He had the best wide receiver room, and you even said Emeka Obuka had a solid game. Marvin Harrison looked like he was on the road to having a big game, and then he frankly dropped off. But he's, he didn't get enough targets, in my opinion. Marvin Harrison is showing all year that he could get open, no matter the coverage, no matter the, what he's seeing on the opposite side. He get him the ball by any means uh, necessary. Instead, we kept we kept saying it, TJ and Stevie. You said that frankly that Michigan outcoached Ohio State, and it looked like it because Ryan Day was settling on offense and playing very conservatively, bubble screens and runs that led to nothing. It was a pathetic coaching job. If I had to grade it, I'd give it an F minus for Ryan Day. I know that's not a real grade, but you know what, Ryan Day deserves it. It was horrible coaching. And Jim Harbaugh, I hope he's celebrating and still celebrating because that was a big-time win for a guy who had been criticized for 10 years in Michigan and always getting his ass kicked by Ohio State. Instead, he's on a two-game win streak, and they look like the better team, and they're going to be in the college football playoff, and Ohio State won't. And they have back-to-back years. Like you said, all those years of Michigan getting – kicked by Ohio State's ass. Now, Michigan has two years of kicking Ohio State's ass. So. And Michigan leads the all-time series. True. So true. when Ohio State wants to say recent success is still in their favor, Michigan gets the last laugh because they own the all-time series record. Um, And yeah, I, I really do think it was just coaching because all right, they, they had a lot of running backs out Ohio State. They had Trevion Henderson out. It was uh, just that because Mayan, uh, the Mayan uh, Mayan Williams came back. Um, and even if he wasn't 100%, but either way, you have five-star recruits at your pickings. Some teams are lucky if they have like five total. You know, pretty much every wide receiver in Ohio State's room is a five-star recruit. So the fact that you know, they couldn't do anything. And I think, frankly, um, and the worst part was when Ohio State allowed that first big touchdown, um, rushing touchdown, then they they couldn't do it. They didn't answer back. And then the very next play, he did it again. So it was like, it wasn't like, you know, he had one in the first quarter and then one in the like fourth quarter. I mean, he had them back to back. So I just think the team kind of gave up. Um, and I want to say their defense coordinator is Jim Knowles is his name. And he came from Oklahoma State. And, you know, they had one of the best defenses last year. And he was known to be this, you know, defensive specialist, a guy. And who- Ohio State was known for having a better offense and a de- and a struggling defense. And they specifically brought in Jim Knowles to fix, to, that. To fix that defense. And all year... Their defense looked very legit. They had a few guys who looked like studs. They did. Um, and same thing, their defense, even though it, it has been struggling the past couple of years, they have, they're all like top recruits. I mean, their D-line, Zach Harrison was like a five-star recruit. Jack Sawyer is like a five-star recruit. Um, you know, Tommy Eichenberg has been, I don't know what his star was, but he he was really a top player. Uh, top player in the Big Ten and for Ohio State linebacker. And then um, one of the safeties, I want to say Tanner McAllister, he followed Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State where he made a name for himself there, came over. So, like, they have guys. And then, you know, 
Ohio State likes to be known as, or, you know, they claim themselves as DBU as well as wide receiver U because of some of their past, um, you know, corners that these and safeties that they sent to the league. So, but the fact that I just think they kind of gave up, I think, you know, the offense, the fact that the offense couldn't score more points on um, the fact that shroud, you know, um, on paper, he had a good game, but when he, they needed him to be clutch, like you were saying from it's, it, you know, he just didn't do it. And, um, I just think moment, um, Michigan had the momentum. Michigan had the better coaches. And because I won't say Michigan had the better players necessarily. I mean, they have a lot of tough recruits, but uh, like they just, it seemed like they wanted it more at, you know, that certain point of the game when it mattered. Um, and it, it was just kind of a shame to, and I know my brother who's an Ohio State fan, he was not happy at the end. And, he shouldn't have been, and all Ohio State fans weren't. I mean, it's just, like he said, he goes, there, there's really no, he goes, and especially Ryan Day, if if he continues to coach like this, he's on the hot seat, especially losing to Michigan. I mean, Ohio, like, to be, like, successful successful at Ohio State, pretty much you need to be Michigan, and you need to be competing for a national championship every year, whether you win one or not, but you need to beat Michigan number one. That's like the number one priority. And then two, it's pretty much win the big 10 and then get a top bowl game, whether it's a Rose bowl or now the college football playoff And Ryan day really, you know, he's now lost to Michigan back to back years. Probably won't make it back to the college football playoff this year. Again, for now, the second consecutive year, you know, listen, he could be on the hot seat and CJ shroud. Even they mentioned him. Um, you know, he said, I know, you know, he has never beaten Michigan in his career starting. He's never led them to a big 10 championship, led them to the playoffs. Um, and I think that's why, like, you got to respect certain guys. Um, and that's why, you know, I know it is again, it's going to sound biased because he's on the bears, but when a lot of people were kind of, feels isn't this feels isn't that like fields beat Michigan. And he was hurt a couple, like that one game he got hurt and he came back at Michigan and still won. He won Big Ten championship games where he came back in those games or demolished those, like, and then, you know, he's won college football playoff games. So really, like, regardless if he's on the Bears or not, you got to really, like, when guys do that, like, you got to recognize it because look at Shroud, who everyone was saying, oh, he's, like, better than Fields. Because maybe statistical-wise, he had more passing yards and pretty much the same passing touchdowns. But he couldn't win those games that Fields did. And that's what it goes more into. And um, Fields had the same coaching as Shroud did. So that's just – I'm going to leave it at that. And it just really makes you think more more and more about the Jim Harbaugh quote that uh, resurfaced this week leading up to the – last week leading up to the game about uh i don't remember the exact quote but about how uh ryan day yes if you hit a triple doesn't necessarily mean you end up on third pointing out how he inherited this roster from ohio state doesn't necessarily mean it's a championship team and it's very true because you see the difference from urban meyer to uh, Ryan Day, and honestly, this Ohio State team is different. And they've had some very good quarterbacks. Yeah, they've had C.J. Stroud, and yeah, they've had Justin Fields. But F- did Fields also have Urban Meyer, or did he only have Ryan Day? Um, I got to look into that because he, because his freshman year might have been Urban Meyer's last year at Ohio State, and, but Fields was at Georgia. So then when he transferred... I think it was Ryan Day's first year, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to look at it. Because I got to see when Ryan Day's first year was. Because I want to say Fields' first year at Ohio State was 2019-2020. And I want to – I don't know when um, when Ryan Day's first year is. Like, because Ryan Day was on the staff at Ohio State, but when he became head coach, what season? So um, let me go find that out in the meantime, uh, if you want to continue what you were going to say. 
No, that's all. That is fourth full season, if that helps. What did you say? I'm sorry. He's currently in his fourth full season. Ryan Day? Yes. Okay, so Fields he was named first... head coach on December 4th, December 4th to uh, 2018. Okay, so his his first year, so his first season would have been 2019. And that's when Fields' first year at Ohio State was. Yes, sir. So Fields have the same coaching. So Fields did have the same coaching, but you look at the guys that Urban Meyer frankly brought in because you could point, you can make the argument that, yeah, Ryan Day is the head coach of that team, but that was Urban Meyer's team that Justin Fields was brought in because it was an Urban Meyer team. Garrett Wilson, Olave, yeah. Jamison Williams, all those guys were brought in because then, of the success because of the success that Urban Meyer had. And it's I think Fields definitely had the better defense. Um, so which helped because you know he had Chase Young, Jeff Okuda. Um but I'm not gonna lie, Shroud probably had the better offensive weapons because he had years with Garrett Wilson. Jackson Smith, the Jibba, you know, Fields, Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison, I think might be one of the best Ohio state receivers to come out of Ohio state. I think he's going to be that good. Um, and especially when you're the son of Marvin Harrison, you're bound to be good. Um, you know, so like Shroud has had Jackson Smith, the Jibba when he actually plays a year of Garrett Wilson, like, you know, like these guys, when they're Chris Olave, you know, Chris Olave, like, um, you know, Fields had them when they were young, or when they didn't have the big role like they did, Shroud did, and Shroud had the better running backs, Trevion Henderson. Um, so, or um, well, okay, Fields did have J.K., but Trevion Henderson really was looking like he's gonna be a top back too. So, either way, the fact that Shroud hasn't been able to win these games, I'm not blaming on Shroud, but I think it can go with coaching and also, you know. The quarterback itself, I think it's a mix of leadership. I really think I think it's fair. In a loss like this, you can't put the blame on one person. Obviously, you lose by twenty plus on the uh, at at home against your rival. A lot of things clearly went wrong. So there's a lot of equal blame to be uh, shared here. But I want to move on because we've spent enough time talking about two teams that we just don't like. I know, TJ, you have some breaking news that uh, you want to share quickly, so I, I want to hear it. Yeah, so uh, thanks to Pete Thamel on on Twitter, former Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara has committed to transfer to Iowa. Right. There's an announcement expected soon, either probably tomorrow or next week. But I promise that's funny because – we're going to be hearing him more often now because, I mean, well, we dealt you, with that you, mo- you more so may. Penn State wouldn't be facing them. And if Cade well, McNamara, it depends if it depends if you face him next year. We don't. Oh, you don't? It's okay. Because I know but, sometimes, because sometimes the, the East teams do, like you play certain East teams. So I know, like, um, but I guess you guys are not playing Iowa next year. I don't think so now. Yeah. Well, Wisconsin obviously definitely is since we're in the West with them. But kind of like good pickup for Iowa, I believe. I mean, I think what their, they, off- I think, their offense can't get any worse. I'll tell you that. No, and no, any, mean, anything is an upgrade at this point. Yeah, and he's he's a leader. He's won. Um, so yeah, not a. I mean, and yeah, he didn't go far at all. I mean, he stayed right in the Big Ten. You know, usually some guys transfer out of the conference, but no, he he wanted in conference still. So that'll Penn be interesting State, to see. Penn State plays Iowa September twenty third next year. Oh, they do. Play. Oh, they do play. Yeah, so nice. then Penn State is home. Okay. Are you gonna go to that game? Probably. Maybe. Maybe. And then we're gonna make you say his name. Yes. So, and I do. I have more breaking news. Oh, this is good. I this like one. It. This one also is Michigan, and this just happened uh, earlier today. You know how you're talking about uh, the, the the defensive player? Yeah. Maisie Smith is facing felony charges for for carrying a concealed weapon. He's a starter in all 12 games, and now he's probably he's got to be out. He's out. Yeah. 
Yeah, not, so not the best timing. That, that's a little clarifi- clarification on the name you were talking about earlier. Yeah, Media Smith. Okay. But I want to move on because we've been talking a lot about Michigan, but I want to wrap up the show talking some Heisman talk and talking uh, just who we think will overall win the college football playoff. And I think it's safe to say now, probably all be in agreement at this point, that after the performance of C.J. Stroud and how Bryce Young and Alabama's look this year, that Heisman is Caleb Williams' uh, title to lose, right? I would believe so, yeah. Um, and it's a tight race this year because last year you knew – I mean, Bryce Young just had such a great year. Um, and then he just didn't really – he was out a game or two. Um, but then even Alabama's offense wasn't as explosive as they were this year. Um, so – and then Shroud for a while there looked like he was going to be the guy, but then he kind of fizzled off there. Uh, or not fizzled off, but like he didn't continue. He had some – you know, Maryland, I believe, he didn't have the hottest game. And Caleb, if you've been watching – I mean, I've been watching – pretty much every single USC game now the past couple of weeks uh, because my cousin, he goes there. Um, so I just like, you know, and then we have a big group chat with the family. Um, so, and plus they're on late. So they're like the only game on, but I mean, Caleb, just the way he's playing, he's playing like he's the best player in college football, football right now, not only the best quarterback, but the best football player. I mean, he is like, dominating and he has usc dominating because um i think if it wasn't for him and that offense usc would not be nearly as good i mean look at them last year they sucked and now he's got them playing for pac-12 championship game and possibly uh birth into the college football playoff he's that good so i i agree i think caleb for husband and he can he can paint that on his nails yeah that's that's cool what he does with his nails but he's also, I think his story is pretty cool because last year comes over, with, he was playing with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. They're a six and six team. He's a midseason replacement for uh, Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler looked horrible. Then he, and he gets benched for this guy, Caleb Williams. And Caleb Williams is just looking electrifying. And then they both transfer out, they lose their coach. And Spencer Rattler. Yeah, he struggled, but he had some pretty big-time wins at the end of the season, and now Caleb Williams is the heavy favorite to win the Heisman. So you love a little good story like that. I do. I do. But, but is... unfortunately, there's only uh, four teams who will uh, make the college football playoff. So, uh, But not, not, not for long. Not for not long. For long. Yeah, that actually uh, brings me to my, my next question. I wanted to actually ask you guys about that since I'm not the biggest college football guy, as you as you both know. Um, I want your I want your takes on the expansion of 12 teams in the college football playoff beginning in 2024, 2020, uh, 2024, 2025 season. I know it went from four to 12. What do you think is is this going to drastically change how the playoffs are going to be when they start in 2024? Or do you think it's going to give like less like not lesser known schools, but teams you don't see in the playoffs all the time now? do you think it gives them a chance to like get in and, and make a name for themselves? I mean, I think it automatically will because you are guaranteed at le- the, the champion of each power five school has to be represented. So you already will have sec, big 10, big 12, pac 12 and ACC champions qua- aut- like automatically bid. Like you think of March madness, how you have the conference champions, they're an automatic bid. You have that with your power five schools. And then on top of it, to make up the sixth, six of the 12, you have the be- the highest ranked or the best non-power five school as an automatic qualifier. So like last year, for example, Cincinnati made it because they were a four seed in the, co- in the playoff. This year, I believe it would have been Tulane, which I like giving the recognition of the small schools. I do, but... When you have a team like Tulane playing against Georgia, I don't really know how many people want to watch that besides people who go to Tulane. And frankly, the people who go to Georgia could care less because that's just an easy win in their book. I don't see, I don't see like an upset happening type of thing. But hey, anything could happen. But it does set up some possible cool matchups that you would rarely get to see. 
like right now Penn State would be playing uh Alabama or you have an LSU versus Ohio State. Like those are cool matchups that people do want to see. So I love the uh, idea. No one will ever agree on the on the number. It it it'll never happen, but I definitely think it's better twelve teams than four. I personally thought it was going to be eight. I think it should have been eight. But you know, I I understand the reasoning because you give the each conference a guaranteed your conference title winner it means something because yeah Clemson right now wins the ACC and great they'll be uh at best a New Year's Six bowl at best now there's actually there's meaning to it um but there's a lot of negatives because you have guys preparing to go into the draft. Now they'll have an extra game to play to play for, possibly three. So there's a lot of give and give or take, but I think that could also be a good incentive for players to stay. You know, you have something to play for. Now with NIL deals, money might be involved. So there's a lot of, of good, positive outcomes from it, and I'm a fan. Yeah, I... um. I'm glad that it did expand. And like like you were saying, I don't think a number would ever be agreed on. Some might say six. Some might say, should it stay at four? Some should have said eight like me and then 12, you know. So whatever. I've been the day it's expanded. What I was, what I was kind of like um, more intrigued by was that the they said the Rose Bowl agreed to this deal. Um, because I thought for a while back, it was pretty much agreed upon that it was going to expand. But then I think, since the Rose Bowl agreed to it, it's going to happen sooner. Because I think it was going to expand, but not for quite a few, year, few years. But I, think, now- I think it only really was going to bump it up a year or two. Like, okay. Because I think with before the Rose Bowl, it was talks that it was going to be like 2024, 2025 season. But now because of the Rose Bowl, it'll be like the 2024, the latest, essentially. Yeah. So I think it really is only one year difference. Because then the but, Rose Bowl must agree... Because but I think like, that's I think that's huge that the Rose Bowl is a part of it. Yeah, because that's a, that that's a game that people you want to play in. Yeah, and plus and now, right, and right, and right now that's not a, a college football playoff. No, that's what I was gonna say because some years it is a college football playoff game, and some years it's just the normal Rose Bowl. And every it doesn't. I mean, obviously the Rose Bowl is probably probably besides the national championship game, like that's a bowl game you want to play in. But now that it'll be a playoff game, in addition to just the Rose Bowl itself, every year. I mean that'll be now I'm just gonna make it ten times better. So um yeah. Can I, go, can I give a bold prediction right now, Stevie? Yeah, lay it on me. I think the Rose Bowl will somehow magically become the national championship the first year of eligibility. Really? I think so. All right. Because think oh. about it. When's the last time that we've that we've seen the Rose Bowl host something that kind that big? Like usually, the Rose Bowl is a, is a huge, big spectacle as is. You have well, the par- you have the parade and everything, but it, there's no title attached to it. And the Rose Bowl Stadium held the national championship game between Florida State and uh, Auburn when James Winston um, won it for Florida State, but that was the BCS national championship game, so it wasn't like the national like rose bowl national championship game but i could see it happening or i don't know maybe they want to just keep it its own thing and then then and then the national championship game it's its own like brand or thing whatever itself so yeah i mean we don't know um i guess we'll kind of find out when it expands like this um but i i think it's definitely gonna be um it's not gonna be normal like let's enjoy these next couple normal bowl years because once that changes, it's not going to be like the bowls. I mean, there'll be plenty of the smaller bowls, but it won't be what, because even for a while there, the college football playoff, like it wasn't that much of a change. It was a little bit of a change, but not anything too crazy. Um, But this one will be a big change. And then it will kind of, the bowl seasons, we know it won't be totally the same. Not going to say it's going to be, you know, worse, but it just, it will be a big change. So that's why I'm definitely going to enjoy it this year. And, um, I think next year will be the four teams again, and then from there, I think it'll change over to twelve. So here, I got you real quick. 
uh, they actually okay. announced the 2024, 2025, and 2025, 2026, all the venues for like the quarterfinals, semifinals. So the quarterfinals in 2024 are going to be the Fiesta Bowl, the Peach Bowl, the Rose and then the 2025-2026 playoff will be quarterfinal, Cotton Bowl, Orange Bowl, Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, semifinals, Fiesta and Peach, and the national championship will be in Miami. Ooh. So the Orange and the Peach Bowl as the titles is what it sounds like. So basically a repeat. Yeah, it's essentially they, both. They, they reuse, they're reusing the stadium, which makes sense. Yeah. And they want it in a, in a warm location, which makes sense too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see because you know, this is a big change. But before we wrap up, uh, I just want to go around the horn. We'll start with TJ because we haven't heard much from you today. Just who do you think is gonna play in the national college football playoff as of right now? The four teams we got Georgia one, Michigan two, TCU three, and USC four. And I mean, this is obviously scheduled subject to change given how the championship Sunday, uh, Saturday goes, but as of right now, who do you think is going to be, uh, in that championship game? Uh, from what I've seen, uh, the bits and pieces of what I've been able to watch all season. And from what I've heard via watching get up and not first take, cause I don't take Stephen A's anything with anything. Uh, I'm going with Georgia TCU for the national championship. Them horned frogs, baby. We needed a TCU reference on this show, so I'm glad you were the one who made it. Honestly, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, Stevie, who? what's your pick? Sorry, TJ. I like TCU this year, but I'm going to pull Lee Corso and throw that horned frog head off me. Um, not I, so fast, to quote oh, uh, Lee Corso. Yeah, not so fast. You got to go Georgia. Got to go the dogs. They've looked like the best team all year. And then I'm going to go USC. I, I think they really impressed me um, the past couple of weeks. It looks like Promise is mad. Maybe that was his pick or something. But they just, for a while there, I wasn't really too hot on them. I knew they had a lot of the guys, Lincoln Riley. They bought their offense through the NIL and transfers. But they're actually putting it together now, and they're looking good. So the Trojans and the Bulldogs, and I couldn't tell you who wins that. I think that's a coin flip. Well. You know where the national title is played this year, right, Stevie? Is uh, it's so in LA. Fi. So far, yeah. LA. And you have USC in the title. Do you think that'll uh, be a, a factor? It, it very well could. Um, But then again, Georgia in 2018 played Alabama right in Atlanta Stadium. And uh, that's when Tua threw it to Devontae Smith for the game-winning touchdown overtime. So... And that, and that game was mostly dog fans, so it could be a big thing. But then if the team, if, you know, just it comes down to the players and, you know, coaching. So, I, again, I really don't know because Georgia's defense is so elite while USC's offense is, uh, offense is elite, while Georgia's offense is, listen, they got some solid players. But, you know, it's they're not, I wouldn't say elite, it's a really good offense, while USC's defense, you know, same thing. They got some really good players, but not. So it's really going to come down to USC's offense versus Georgia's defense, which one, you know, kind of breaks first. And then I think that's what, who will declare your winner. But um, so, yeah, so if, if everything goes to plan, if Georgia went, I mean, I think Georgia's in regardless, but if USC wins Friday night against Utah in the Pac-12, they'll be in, I think they'll be uh, Michigan if Michigan wins on Saturday and then uh, Georgia will be TCU and then it'll be Georgia USC. And like I said, you can flip a coin and, I'll go with it. I'm the same way. Um, but that'll wrap up this week's episode. So, TJ, thank you for filling in for uh, Castle this week. Of course. It's a pleasure as always. Thank we'll you. Talk as... more, we'll talk more hockey next time. We'll talk hockey next time. I mean, uh, the Bruins are the best team in the league. And we'll leave oh, it that. We're, we're, we're waiting for the Bruins to cool off, and then we're going to strategically talk some hockey once that happens. Yeah, we got to plan to strategically when the Bruins cool off and the Rangers and, and, and the Blackhawks are hot. That's when we'll talk hockey, right? Obviously. Exactly. Hey, you, you're catching on pretty quickly. I yeah, like this. We, we got we to gotta keep it on the low frolics. 
Hey, but we also appreciate uh, your consistent work on, on our Instagram. We've been seeing uh, our views going up and we're getting more follows. So that's always great news. So keep up the great work uh, at the 3P podcast. If you guys don't follow, I don't know what you're doing, what you're waiting for. So make sure you get on that. Our sponsors, Liberty Shirt Co. And Wild and uh, oh, I almost said Wild Chat Sports and OP Sports Betting are two uh, spon- are two uh, sponsors. Make sure you check them out or to see what they are doing. Uh, Liberty Shirts, so all the Fox Sports guys shirt dress shirts. You got Fox NFL Sunday and college football, even the World Cup right now. A lot of a lot of good things ha- happening on Fox, and they're dressed for success. And or Opie Sports betting, it, yeah, crypto might be taking a big hit right now with the uh, with FTX going bankrupt, but Opie Sports betting is up and running, and there are no flaws. I spoke to Greg, and they they haven't seen any uh, suffer, so that's good news. And Wild Chat Sports, how can we forget them? A great partner of ours. Kevin's doing some great things out in LA and they got uh, some good content going out on their site. So make sure you check them out. Wild chat sports. And thank you the listeners for uh, consistently listening and we'll continue to pump out content for you guys. So uh, thank you.